Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Peak Northwest, an outdoors and travel podcast by The Oregonian and Oregon Live, dedicated to the adventure and exploration of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale. And I'm Jim Ryan. And together we take you to some of the most beautiful and interesting destinations in our region, discussing where to go, what to do, and places to see. And this week, we're getting a little festive for the holiday season, which is something I, I got to say, I think a lot of us are ready for this year. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's much of a stretch to say that 2020 has been a tough year for most people. And it seems like a lot of folks are just itching to get their holiday decorations up, bringing some cheer into what has otherwise been a pretty difficult year for the world. So, I mean, I know at our house, we don't have any decorations up just yet. I know a lot of folks who do. Jim, how about you? Do you have anything up for the season? Jamie, I have nothing. Uh, <laughs> We're recording on December 2nd. And as I'm looking out the window right now, it's a blue sky, nice day. I'll admit that I'm not quite feeling in the full holiday swing of things just yet. But that doesn't mean, you know, by the time folks listen to this, that they and I won't also be you know, ready for a little holiday celebration here and there. Well, for those who want to put up a tree for the season, whether it's a tree for Christmas or for the winter solstice or whatever you want to celebrate, there are obviously a lot of ways to do that. You can go to the U-Cut Farms, you can go to Home Depot or Lowe's. But one of the, the options people have here in the Pacific Northwest is going out to a national forest and paying a very minimal fee to cut one down yourself. So that is, uh, I think, a great tradition a lot of people like to do. I've done it myself uh, one time a couple years ago. And to talk about that a little bit more with us today, we have a guest who knows a little bit more about it. From the Mount Hood National Forest, we have Public Affairs Officer Heather Ibsen to talk about harvesting Christmas trees. Heather, how are you doing today? Great, thanks. Well, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Um, and before we get started, Heather, I got to ask, has, has this something that you've done before going out and cut a tree from the National Forest? Yeah, you know, I've done it a few times. Uh, growing up years ago in, in Salem, um, we were surrounded by little Christmas tree farms. But, you know, now having moved around a little bit, I ventured out for the first time into a National Forest to cut my cut our own tree about four years ago. And we've been going back ever since. Very cool. And 
what is the appeal specifically of going out into the forest, you know, cutting down a tree? Sounds very romantic, very fun. Uh, but why is it so popular? Well, a couple of reasons, probably. Um, one is that it's a great tradition and it's an easy way to kind of get outside with your family, explore national forests in the wintertime, but a little bit before some of the, the heaviest winter weather sets in. Christmas tree permits on national forests are also very cheap. And so for, you know, $5 a Christmas tree, you just really can't beat that. Yeah, for comparison, I believe the average Christmas tree price this year has gone up to, I want to say like $81 uh, if you're going to some of the more expensive places to get it. So $5, that's a great deal. Heather, one of the things I've heard about people who maybe haven't done this or don't know a lot about it are who are what they're concerned about is is this bad for the forest in some way? The idea of going out to a national forest and cutting a tree down, I think a lot of people feel kind of nervous about that. So, I mean, can you talk a little bit more about sort of what what this what the impact is like on the forest when people go out and do this? Sure. You know, there are some places on national forests where you cannot cut and particularly sensitive areas, foresters will have already kind of gone through and assessed the area and, and might have, you know, kept those areas out of cutting. Uh, wilderness areas, for example, you can't harvest a Christmas tree in, um, or right around campgrounds and uh, trailheads. So some of those more sensitive areas and and more visited areas are already kind of closed from Christmas tree cutting. Other areas of the forest actually can benefit from Christmas tree cutting as it uh, reduces competition to some of the larger trees. It clears out small trees and um, can actually assist with forestry vegetation. So no going up the Trillium Trail and cutting trees right off the side of the trail, right? No. <laughs> and I should mention, um, you know, $5 is very inexpensive, but our trees tend not to be quite as pretty as the Christmas tree lot trees. So if you are looking for something that is perfectly symmetrical and full, you know, there is no shame in visiting that Christmas tree lot or getting it from the grocery store. If you are in your heart, love Charlie Brown Christmas trees, then a national forest might have you covered. <laughs> there we go. I like that. So it's actually a lot more involved uh, to go out to the national forest and cut down your own tree as opposed to going to a U-Pick, a Home Depot, a Lowe's, uh, getting an artificial tree uh, you know, from the store. Obviously, a lot more goes into it. What should folks know before they leave home? There are a few things you should do in advance. The first thing is to make sure and get your permit. The permit is required to bring with you when you're out in the forest, and you can buy that in person. Uh, the Mount Hood has over 10 different vendors locally you can purchase it from. Or this year, uh, for National Forest in Oregon, Washington, you can get that at recreation.gov uh, slash tree-permits, or it's linked off of any National Forest website. And so you buy the Christmas tree permit for $5. You can get up to five tags per household. And then you just pay a $2.50 service fee for rec.gov, recreation.gov for the whole sale. And the next thing you want to do is just plan for safety. Uh, National forest roads are oftentimes not plowed in the wintertime, depending where you're heading. And you can get up in high elevation pretty quickly, which means that you may experience winter driving conditions. And areas that oftentimes do not have cell coverage. 
We hear about some of these stories every year of people who go too far in their car, overestimate how far their car can make it, they get stuck, and then they can't call anybody because they don't get cell phone coverage. And so you do not want to get stuck. So make sure you carry tire chains, a shovel, and, um, you know, bring a couple of blankets or survival kit, winter, winter driving kit in your trunk, just to make sure that if something happens, you're prepared. When you, when you get to your spot, you'll also want to bring, obviously, a small saw, but also maybe some loppers to trim off some of the errant little side mm-hmm. branches, some work gloves, a rope, and tarp with you to make sure you can fit it either on top of your car or in the trunk or bed of your pickup truck. So walk us through the process once you have all of that stuff of actually choosing and cutting down a tree. I mean, how do you know where to go? How do you know what tree to choose? And then what's the process of actually cutting the thing down and taking it home with you? The first thing I do is check the weather and check road conditions. We do not have an all-wheel, go-everywhere sort of vehicle. So, <laughs> so that kind of narrows our personal locations of where, where to travel. The National Forest uh, Christmas tree permit comes with a little information sheet or a map and sometimes both, that shows areas that are open to Christmas tree cutting and areas that aren't. The Mount Hood National Forest info sheets also have a little summary that describe a couple different kinds of trees and have pictures of what they actually look like. So that's handy. On Mount Hood this year, it's it's a little different uh, because, because of the Riverside fire, most of the Clackamas River Ranger District up 224 is all closed to motorized vehicles. And so if you were planning on heading out past Estacada, you know, really, you need to come up with another plan. And so on the west side of Mount Hood, that's going to be largely up the Highway 26 corridor. On the east side, people can travel uh, US 84 up 35 and then head off on some of those different road systems. But make sure you know the elevation of of where you're going to go. Once you've found your spot and you've pulled off the road to a safe place to park, you know, really you can just start tromping around in the woods looking for a tree. There is a height limit for what tree you can cut down, and that's 15 feet. But sometimes it can be helpful actually to take a picture of your living room, as silly as that sounds, on your phone and bring it with you, because sometimes your eyeballs have a hard time matching up what you find in the woods and what will actually fit in your house. And (laughs) I've brought home a tree a couple of times that all of a sudden we had to cut a few feet off the bottom because uh, our eyes were, what is it? Your eyes are a little bigger than your stomach. So a lot of people prefer noble firs. They're those ones with those stiff kind of bluish needles and they make for good Christmas trees, but they're most reliably found at 3,500 feet elevation or above. And so a Douglas fir is a nice alternative as well because they're found at a lot of different elevations and they keep their needles still well. They're just not, they're not maybe sometimes as full as a noble fir and not as stiff of branches, um, but they can be great too. And so once you kind of look around, you find your tree, preferably it should have another kind of similar tree within eight feet of it. So that way you're not getting the only tree in that area and it, uh, the, its neighbors then can kind of fill in the gaps where you took that tree from, if that makes sense. You'll want to um, get your saw out and it's helpful if you have somebody to help you out to help hold the, 
hold the base of the trunk steady, and then cut, make your cut as close to the ground as possible. You don't want to leave a big tripping hazard for everybody else, especially, you know, once it's covered by snow, it could be kind of hard to see, but cut no more than about six inches from the ground and make a nice clean cut of, of your tree. And then you can kind of, you know, lop off with clippers or loppers, any errant, funny little low branches, um, And then basically, once you get your tree back to your car, you can either, with a tarp, kind of roll it up like a burrito and stick Mm -hmm. it in the back of your car or on top of your car, or use a lot of ropes and bungee cords to tie it down to the top of your vehicle. And then once you get home, you'll want to make a fresh cut, if possible, a couple inches up. And what that does is that helps the tree, once it gets into water, start drinking a little better, absorb water a little better. You've done this before. I personally have not. Uh, any like tips and tricks for the folks who are going out for the first time? If you had to give me kind of your one insiders, you know, hey, FYI, do it this way. Um, any secret tips and, and tricks that you might be able to share? The first thing I would do is start early and make sure mm. you bring enough gear. Uh, national forests don't have a lot of lights, right? Uh, street lights. And so you don't want to be stuck out on the forest after dark if you can help it. And then bring more, bring more rope and tarp and that sort of gear than you think you might need. Uh, just because, you know, I've certainly made it out into the forest and then found that like, oh, I guess for the two of us, we only have three work gloves. What happened to the fourth <laughs> one? So double check your double check your supplies. And then you got to be a little bit patient, I find. You know, there's no harm in, you know, just keeping on walking around if you didn't like the one tree and you think you might find something better. But make sure you know from where you came and so you don't get find yourself lost. And then also... Um, Along small roads can be a good place to find trees. Once you get kind of deeper into the forest, especially if there's a dense canopy, those trees underneath are going to be kind of sparse uh, because they've been shaded out, right, by their larger neighbors. But sometimes closer to the road or on the edge of meadows can be a good spot to find shorter trees that might go great in your living room. Very nice. Well, we want to hear a little bit more about trying to find the perfect holiday tree. But first, we're going to take a short break. All right, folks, we are back talking about cutting down holiday trees in the Mount Hood National Forest and in national forests elsewhere around the Pacific Northwest. And Heather, you've done this before. You obviously work for an agency that manages the cutting of trees uh, throughout the national forests. One of the things that we had talked about off air here is, you know, hey, the same kind of rules, regulations, and preparedness applies. Uh, no matter if you're going into the forest to go on a hike, to go into the forest to you know, forage for mushrooms or to go into the forest to look for a holiday tree. Um, What are maybe some of the general baseline things that folks should consider before leaving their homes and heading up into the forest? I would definitely recommend bringing a paper map with you or have downloaded a, a, a map onto your smartphone. 
um, that can show you where you are. Uh, so like a geo-referenced map. Don't rely on your cell phone for coverage. You know, it's it's been years now that I've heard several stories in the media. You sometimes read about like, oh, someone followed Google Maps or another mapping service online that directed them as a shortcut on some forest road, and then they got in a lot of trouble. And our first priority is to keep help keep the public safe. And so we don't want people ending up on some little two-track road in the snow and then not being able to get out or sliding off the side if there's been rains or slides. And sometimes, you know, you might live 50 or 80 miles away from where you're headed up on the forest. And so it might be great weather in Portland or Lake Oswego or Vancouver or wherever. But once you get up, you know, 1,000 feet, 1,500 feet or more, the conditions on the road and the condition, the weather conditions in general could be quite different. So just do a little planning ahead, you know, look at the weather service, look at the road conditions and bring some extra gear, bring some chains so that you don't, you don't find yourself in trouble later. No, that's great advice. Uh, you know, just because it's nice in Portland or elsewhere in the Willamette Valley or on the coast or anywhere in the Northwest does not mean you're going to run into perfect conditions up there on the mountain, especially this time of year. So we've covered a lot of the preparedness, a lot of the granular how-to type stuff, and that's all excellent information. Uh, what about uh, simply how fun this is? I mean, you're out there searching for a crucial piece of your holiday uh, with, you know, hopefully uh, folks from your household this year, uh, kind of, you know, in search of a little bit of holiday magic. What's it like up there, Heather, uh, to go searching for that perfect tree? Well, for me, it's just been a good excuse to get outside and explore some of our public lands, right? You know, it's easy to get busy and then you need, you find yourself, especially this time of year, normally trying to just cram everything in, right? Because there's just this checklist of things you have to do mm -hmm. before the holidays are here. And so getting out onto the forest is a little bit of a more of a low-tech experience. And if you can, you know, pack up the family or your roommate or, or partner and, and go out and start looking for a Christmas tree, you know, you're not going to find, um, you know, any, you know, maybe the most beauty pageant winning Christmas tree, but you are going to also have, you know, hopefully a good time just looking around the woods as well and hearing some of the birds that don't migrate or seeing some different plants and that are growing around trees and maybe visiting a place you haven't really explored before. I love it. There's something too about sort of the, the magic of being in a forest in the wintertime, especially if there's snow on the ground it kind of reminds me like the, those picture books growing up as a kid. I think, I think they were the Jan Brett books with little forest animals out in the woods and everything's all snowy. I don't know. There's something just sort of magical and, and really sweet about that. Yeah. I've talked to, I have not done this myself, but I've talked to more than a couple of forest employees who actually make it a snowshoeing event or a cross country skiing event hmm. where they make themselves kind of a little sled. And so they'll ski in or snowshoe in to a spot that they couldn't reach with their vehicle, harvest a tree or cut down their own tree, and then kind of tow it back to their vehicle along the roadside, just behind, behind their skis. And that sounds fun too. I love that. Bring your dog and you can make it a ski joring experience. Yeah. <laughs> make your dog tow the tree back. 
Yeah, I'm going to have to do some additional training for my terrier to, to get that done. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Heather, I think that's all we have for you. Is there any other advice you wanted to offer anyone who's going out this year? Any final words of wisdom? Well, a good first starting place uh, for the Mount Hood National Forest is to just check our website. It is at www.fs.usda.gov slash mthood. And right off the front page, there's a link to our Christmas tree program that can get you set up with a list of where you can buy a permit in person or at recreation.gov. It also has information about um, the Every Kid Outdoors program. It's a pass for fourth graders. And this year, especially, it's also for fifth graders because of COVID. They've extended, extended last year's fourth graders to this year. And so if you're a fourth grader or fifth grader, you can get an Every Kid Outdoors pass online and with that pass, you can actually get, not only can you get um, waived entrance fees to national parks, national forests, and other public lands across the whole country through next summer, you can also get a free Christmas tree. Oh, very cool. And that makes it just an, an even better family experience for folks. Yeah. So it takes a couple of steps, but it's the process overall that has uh, information right on our website about that. And like I said, the Every Kid Outdoors Pass is just if you have a fourth grader who's in school or you homeschool and fifth graders this year as well, it's a great program and it has that free Christmas tree. Well, Heather, thank you so much for coming on and giving us so much information. Um, some of these details we've also mentioned um, in a story we put up on Oregon Live and we'll link to that in our show notes. Uh, Heather, thanks for coming on and um, telling us all about the Christmas tree. Sure, absolutely. Jamie, what an excellent conversation with Heather there. Lots of good information, capturing a little bit of the kind of uh, romanticism about going out into the forest and getting your own tree. Uh, so the question remains, are you going to go get one yourself this year? You know, it's hard to say. I went out with a couple of my housemates, I think two years ago, we went out and did this and had a lot of fun. Um, this year, I'm not sure if we're going to do a tree in our household or not. If we do, though, I think this is the way I want to go. You know, she mentioned, yeah, these aren't full, big, beautiful, perfect trees like you're used to seeing in, you know, the stores or in movies or, you know, catalogs or whatever. Uh, they're a little bit more of the Charlie Brown Christmas tree, but I like that. I think it's I think it's fun to have, you know, a little bit more of a scraggly, all natural tree, if you will. All right, Jamie. Well, if you do end up going out to get a Christmas tree, I expect you to report back on the process. <laughs> How about that? Jim, I would be happy to report back with photos and everything. <laughs> All right, Jamie. Well, I am very much looking forward to it if, in fact, you do end up heading out to the forest to pick out a tree. But until next time, folks, you can watch our videos on the Oregonians YouTube channel. Follow us on Instagram at Peak Northwest and view all of our travel and outdoors coverage on OregonLive.com slash travel. Please leave us a rating or review if you enjoyed the show. And if you want to support this podcast and our local journalism, please consider a subscription to Oregon Live. You can find details, of course, at OregonLive.com slash pod support. This episode of the show was produced by me, Jim Ryan, alongside Jamie Hale and Elliot News. Stay safe and happy travels, everyone. Until next time, we leave you with this 10 seconds of Zen.